Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So we're continuing on the tyranny of compla- uh, the tyranny of religion, but today we're going to focus on the tyranny of complexity, and that might sound unusual to you. Actually, this message started in me years ago, and I didn't even know it, but I really think it's going to benefit and help you today. And it's something that I've learned over a course of time, and it has really revolutionized the way that I think personally, and I think it will do the same for you. Now, remember that a tyrant is a cruel, oppressive ruler, and tyranny is cruel, oppressive rule. And we've seen many, many scriptures that God is going to put down the tyrant, that he's delivered us from tyranny. And so if you have cruel, oppressive rule in your life, get out from under that and get into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is peace. Where the dominion of the king is, there is peace. Where the dominion of the king is, there is joy. And where the dominion of the king is, there is righteousness. So we've got to get out from under the tyranny of oppression and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to live. And you know that religion is a controlling power, a superhuman power that controls. And so we're not talking about Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Charismatic, Episcopalian, that's not religion. Those are denominations. Those are also man-made, by the way. You will not find them in Scripture. Man did that, and it's okay. I'm not knocking it. Um, When people ask me, what religion are you? I have no answer. I'm not a religion. I'm a Christ follower. That's what I am. And that's what your answer should be. I'm a Christ follower. You know, before Christians were named Christians or little Christ, they were called the way. We were called the way. And then, of course, the name changed. And so I just want you to be aware of that. And this started, this message today, the tyranny of complexity started in me years ago. And I was going through a crisis in a storm. And I mean, we all go through them. I don't care how uh, grounded, rooted and grounded in Jesus you are and how strong you believe the word. And if your faith removes mountains and you know, you give all your body to be burned and all your food to feed the poor and and on and on and on. doesn't matter. You're going to go through storms. Jesus never said you're immune from the storms. For heaven's sake, he was in the boat when a storm arose. Even Jesus was not immune from the storm. So we do get this religious mindset That if I'm just walking uprightly and I'm walking the straight and narrow, I will not have a storm. Well, that's a lie. It's unbiblical. Jesus said, when the storm comes and beats against the house, if your house is founded on the rock, which is the word of God, your house will stand. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel the effects. I mean, we have, when we get a storm in San Antonio, as you know, and whatever part of the nation that you're in listening, it can be severe here. I mean, we can get golf ball and baseball size hail at times, right? Uh, was it a couple of years ago then when almost everybody in San Antonio had their roof replaced? I live in a, a small subdivision. Every single house in my subdivision were, had to have their roof replaced. And of course, some of us were like, could you hit the windows? We would like new glass. <laughs> So, what? (laughs) Exactly, yeah, I know. We should have done the windows. Could you skip the roof and do the windows? And so, anyway, you feel the effect of the storm. You might be secure in your home, but you still feel that the effect of that beating that the storm takes. And you can look out and in my backyard, I mean, we have it very landscaped so that the water flows, but let's face it, no matter how well it's landscaped, the water can rise. We're looking out, watching the water rise and praying it doesn't come up over the porch. And you're going to feel the effect of the storm. It just won't overtake you. 
But if your house is not founded on the word of God, the storm can take you out. It can take you down and it can take you out. So, so I was going through, I said all that to say in, in this season, I was going through a storm some years ago. And one of the first people that I contacted, which is a very rare ability to do because she really, she lives, um, they're sheep ranchers and it's very difficult to make contact. And, but I did, I was able to contact her and I, I needed her to pray. She's my spiritual mother, the only one I've ever had. And, um, closer to the Lord than anybody I've ever known. And I'm not exaggerating. I've talked about her before and the stories are just remarkable. And this is somebody who at three years old was sitting in her field telling Jesus how much she loves him. And I want all you have for me. And she began to sing to Jesus three years old and then began to sing in the, in, in the spirit as well. And I mean, she's just walked with the Lord unlike anyone I've ever known. And when she says something, you can take it to the bank. I I mean, it's, I've never known her to miss ever. I'm not saying she can't, and I'm not exalting her. I'm exalting the Jesus in her. But I'm just telling you, so I contacted her because I really needed wisdom. And she came back with this word from the Lord. And I want you to listen carefully. It will be done, and it will be done right. And then she said, I keep getting the word simplicity. 2 Corinthians 1 12. Elohim has already created what you need. That was my directive word. 2 Corinthians 1.12. Our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity and not with fleshly wisdom, which is not what I wanted. Don't ever give me fleshly wisdom. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly toward you. And so the Apostle Paul says, the testimony of my conscience is that in the simplicity of godly wisdom, I conduct myself. And she said, if you look up other translations, make sure they have the word simplicity, because that's the word I'm getting. And that started me on simplifying my complicated journey. And I found out that it was true. It marked my life. Because if you really study the scriptures, now hear me now, because I'm just going to kill your sacred cow. I mean, we have made it so hard to walk with Jesus. And that's an error in many churches. If you study the Gospels, you will find out Jesus did things simply, not complicated. It is the devil that brings complexity and chaos. Now, before you start quoting the length and depth and height and, you know, width and all this, yes, there are complexities in the Lord. He is so deep. He's unfathomable. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy. I mean, you can go on and on, and I know that. I'm talking about the dealings of the Lord with his children are not complicated. When Now, think about it, mamas. When you give your child an order or, of obedience, do you make it complicated? No. Clean your room. And they don't even understand that. <laughs> Wash your hands. See, all those are three words. Three words in the Bible are some of the most powerful words. It is finished. Jesus is Lord. God is love. God is light. But now we make it this big complicated thing. So when the Lord deals with his children... It is not complicated. If he tells you to do something, it's clear. When the, the, at the marriage feast of Cana, the first recorded miracle, you remember that? And they came and they said, oh no, they ran out of wine. And Jesus' mother, they ran out of wine, do something. And he called her woman. Now, I just want you to know, if my children called me woman, it would not be simple. <laughs> Woman, my time has not yet come. And Mary said, 
whatever he says to you, do it. I mean, she was such a good Jewish mother. Whatever he says to you, do it. And so they took six water pots. What is six? The number of man. How do I know that? Man was created on the sixth day. Six always represents the number of man. Six water pots made of clay representing humanity. Fill them with water. What is water in the scripture? The word. And he turned the water into what? Wine. What does wine represent? The Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he saved the best wine until now. So we're the vessel of clay. He's filled us with the water of the word and the wine of the Holy Spirit. This is simple. We make it hard, but it's not. And so this friend of mine, the word simplicity, it marked my life. And God always uses two methods. You see, the kingdom of God is voice activated. He used words mixed with faith or faith mixed with words, however you want to see it. First Corinthians 121. This is the, the passion. I love this. For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using, ready, the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe. The simplicity of preaching the story of the cross. This is not complicated. What is the story of the cross? That Jesus Christ became the last Adam to do what the first Adam failed to do. He came to earth fully God, yet fully human. And on the cross, he bore every sin we would ever commit of all humanity in his body. He shed blood in seven places to secure our sevenfold redemption. He died, was buried, and rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And just waiting for people to simply say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I ask you to live in my heart and take my life and fulfill your purpose. How hard is that? How hard is that? I simply picked up a Bible one day on my fiance's uh, kitchen table or where I don't, wherever it was in College Station. I just picked it up, said, I, can I take this home and read it? I don't know why. I do know why now, but I didn't at the time. I just thought it was a cool black leather cover, and cool, crispy iron onion pages. Still have that Bible. His mother gave it to him in 1963. It's in my bedside table. And I took a ruler in those days. I was in college, so I was really meticulous about studying. And I would underline with the ruler everything that was important to me. Before I knew it, everything was underlined <laughs> because the whole thing was important to me. And on April 21st of 1974, got a call in the middle of the night. I started reading in February of 1974. I got a call in the middle of the night. And my grandfather, who was the patriarch, loveliest man you've ever met in your life, had gone to heaven suddenly. And Randy drove me home to San Antonio. And I walked in, and the line of mourners was there. And my family, you know, in the Bible, they were paid to mourn. My family would be rich, just telling you. <laughs> and my grandmother was sitting in a big old leather chair. And I went, and I knelt down beside her. I can still see myself. I was just... Just this little 20-year-old knelt down beside her, put my hand on her arm, and began to preach the gospel. I did not know I knew anything, but I read those words. Those words were alive. They were simple, and they came into me, and they were written on my heart. And I preached the gospel to her. There was only one person in the family born again, my Aunt Juliet. She took me outside, and she was a formidable Force. I mean, you think I'm strong, Aunt Juliet? Put, she could run circles around me. And she took me outside. She said that when she talked to you, she ordered you. She didn't ask. She called me Sandra. Sandra, come outside. 
And I went outside and I called her auntie. And she said, Sandra, what's happened to you? Have you been born again? I had not gotten to John 3 yet. I didn't know what it meant to be born again. I didn't know that when you ask Jesus to be your savior, that the sperm of God, the spiritual sperm of God comes into your spirit and impregnates you with the life of Jesus Christ. And so I wasn't planning on giving you my testimony, but I am. And so I said, Auntie, I, I don't know what's happened to me. I just know I've been reading the Bible and my whole life has changed. That's the power of the word of God. And most of you know the rest. In December of that year, 1974, my husband was studying. He was getting his master's degree. We lived in a tiny little apartment in College Station called Married Student Housing. And um, I wasn't happy that they tore it down now. They tore yours down too, Pam. What's the matter with them? Yours? Not mine. It, it, it was a relic. And... But I, I remember, and, it, and I was so proud of my apartment, and it was full of remnants because we had almost no money. And the furniture came with the apartment. It was so ugly. I mean, it was ugly. It was ugly. It was dirty. It was ugly. And we went to a remnant place, and there was a lime green remnant area rug. And Randy bought it for me, and I was so proud because I owned my own rug. And he built me bookshelves out of cinder blocks and covered boards with burlap and made me a bookshelf. And it was black, and I had a black bookshelves and a lime green rug. And I was a very happy bride. And I loved being in that room. And I was sitting in there while he was studying, and I turned on the TV. There were only three channels in those days. And I heard a man that I didn't know preach the gospel. And he invited people in TV land to give their heart to Christ while people in the audience flooded to the front of the room. And I did. I got on my knees and I prayed with him. And they said, if you gave your heart to Christ today, write this address. I know you young people have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> write to this address and we're going to disciple you. And they did for one year. One year. I never gave a donation. I did much later, but I never gave a donation. I didn't know about planting seed, financial seed, and those who minister the word of God to you. And I um, received this information. I memorized it. I prayed it. I learned it. And I found out later that it was Billy Graham. I talked to somebody the other day who didn't know who Billy Graham was. Can you imagine that? Young people missing out. And I've walked it ever since. It was by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, this is your time. It's the simplicity. It's not complicated. You don't have to pray a three-hour prayer. You don't have to lay on the ground and beat yourself up. You know, people do that. If you're sensitive to the Lord and you know you've missed the mark and you know you've sinned, I mean, I have people, I just can't forgive myself. And I always ask the same question. I said, I'll say this. I have four words to ask you. Is the blood enough? Because if it is, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, what you know and what you don't know. Now, that was for somebody, and I don't know who, but let's go back to simplicity. So humans, with the help of the devil, have made everything chaotic and in disorder. In Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Everything was perfect. Theologians believe in studying the word of God that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, Satan was thrown out of heaven with a third of the angels who are now fallen angels. Because verse 2 says, and the earth was out form and void. The Hebrew is tohu vabahu and, or something like that. And it means chaos and disorder. So when God recreated what had fallen, he simply said. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, until he got to the sixth day when he made man. 
And then he said, everything else was good. But when he made man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. He did it with words, faith-filled words. That's how you activate the promises of God. Not through complexity, not through flailing yourself, not through fasting. Fasting does nothing for God. Fasting is for you. I fast every single day. I do not eat except the Lord's Supper until I am just finished that sacred set-apart time with God. I, I drink, not alcohol, but I do not eat. I hear people say, it's too hard. I can't do this. It's useless to serve God. We talked about that last week. Or what's the use? Or no matter what I do, nothing is working. We do that over and over and over and over and over. And we complicate things. But I just read to you, the simplicity of the story of the cross will save those who believe. And that's all there is to it. So listen. If the Lord says to do something, it's because the provision to do it is already there. He never told you to do anything that you cannot do with the help of the Holy Spirit. I have heard people in dire situations say, oh, I don't know what more I'm supposed to do. And they're talking about receiving the promises or receiving their healing. Well, let me ask you a question. What did you do to get saved? I just told you. You asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you. And we've seen over and over and over again how the tyrant of sickness and disease will tell you that your healing is not in the sacrifice, the simplicity of the cross, but it is. Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. But both are easy. So I say to you, so that you will know the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the paralytic got up. It was simple. I am ridding my life of complexity. I'm just telling you. I don't want it. It stresses me out. It puts knots in my shoulders. I'm removing myself from complicated situations. We are the ones who complicate things. Matthew 15, 6. Jesus said, for the sake of your tradition, the rules, rules, rules handed down by your forefathers, you have set aside the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect. Why? Because you have so many rules. Nullifies the word of God. I've talked to people that are dying. What else do I need to do? Well, Janice read Acts 16, I think it's 32, from the Amplified Classic. The jailer said, what must we do to be saved? That word saved is the word sozo. We've done this many times. Look it up yourself. Don't believe me. That word sozo means deliverance, rescue, health, safety. It doesn't just mean you're going to heaven. It's an it's a all-encompassing, beautiful word. And so Paul, the apostle Paul, said to the jailer, when he said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Entrust yourself wholly to him. Take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself to his keeping and you will be saved. Oh, here's a good part. And this applies not only to you, but your whole household. Your whole household. When? When you entrust yourself to him. How hard is that? Why is that complicated? Jesus, I entrust myself to you. I'm not my own keeper, Lord, you're my keeper. To make it even simpler, there are 613 commands in the Torah. 365 are negative commands. 248 are positive commands. How many commands are in the new covenant? One. One command, James 2, 8 and 12. If indeed you really fulfill the royal law in accordance with the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, you do well. So speak and act as people should who are to be judged under the law of liberty. The moral instruction given by Christ is specially about love. 
Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. The Torah had 613 rules. The new covenant has one, the royal law of love. That's how kings live. It's not complicated. But we have complicated things. And, and I'm, that's why I let you into my secret place and shared with you the word that the woman who is my godmother gave to me. It will be done and it will be done right. I keep getting the word simplicity. Because the simplicity of the cross is everything you need. Jesus bore your sins, iniquities, and transgressions. He bore your sickness and your disease. And the Bible says he removed it, and he bore poverty and lack. But we've complicated it. Oh, keep them poor, keep them humble. Well, that's bull. You can be poor as the old church mouse and be proud. You can be filthy rich and be humble. Has nothing to do with your possessions unless you make it about your possessions. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2, if I speak at the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the secret truths and mysteries, listen to the complexity here. And I possess all knowledge and I have sufficient faith that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And the Amplified says, I'm a useless nobody. I've told this story, I haven't told it in a long time, so I'm going to tell it again. Uh, when I first got married, I mean, I, you know, I was, a, I was a train wreck. And actually, Randy was too. And the only way I knew to communicate was yelling. That had been demonstrated to me, and I just took it up. Right? Because that's what we do, right? So we, we live what we've learned. And Cindy, is it okay if I tell your story about the brush? All right. So, you know, Cindy came from a very abusive situation. She's told this, so, but it's, it's one of my favorite stories, and it actually tops any of mine, so I'm going to tell it. And, uh, you know, she had watched in the home she grew up in um, her mother throw things when she got angry. And so she married her prince, Rick Godwin, and um, so she got mad at him once, and she threw a brush at him. And Rick caught it. He set it on the table and he walked away. Did I tell that accurately? Oh, I thought it was a brush. It was a can of pledge? That's worse. You threw a can of pledge at him? Well, it's a good thing he has good reflexes. And he caught the can of pledge. And he set it on the table and walked away. She had never seen that demonstrated. Because she had grown up in complexity. But the gospel is simple. And I've made it as simple today as I know how to do. And that's why I shared the gospel with you. In my story, I, you know, there was a lot of yelling and stuff. And, um, and that's all I knew to do. So when I wanted Randy's attention, I would just scream at him. And then I'd write him an, an ugly letter. <laughs> now, in my defense, I was in my 20s. And I was a new believer. But man, I was immersing myself in the word. Because I didn't want to be that way. And so he would just get fed up with me. He would just go to bed and go to sleep. And I would go. Now I'm just being raw with you. And I'd shake him. <laughs> and just say, you are not going to sleep until we settle this. And he would go to sleep. And so one night... In the house we lived in, I had a large living area, and the living area and the bedroom, you know, had a connecting wall. And so he was in there sleeping, and I'm yelling, <laughs> and I'm getting ready to write one of my ugly letters. <laughs> and so I'm literally, I can still see my young self. Young people, there are advantages to growing older. <laughs> I can still see my young self just screaming at him. And all of a sudden, I heard the scripture I just read you. If I can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, 
I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, what do you do when you hear a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? And that's what he would do. He would sleep right through it. And I never did it again. I bet you Cindy never threw a can can of pledge again. What did you throw after that, though? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Something harder to catch. (laughs) I was desperately seeking the Lord one day. Because all I've ever wanted to know is, Lord, are you pleased with me? That is what has mattered to me more than anything I can think of. Are you pleased with me? And I heard the Lord speak, 1 Timothy 1.5 to me. Now, remember, we're talking about the tyranny of complexity. And listen to these simple words he gave me. The object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Now, how hard is that? And he said to me, daughter... I want your only goal to be love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Simple. That's not complicated. It's not about works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's all. He's already gone before you to prepare the way. You walk in love, you'll walk right on those paths. I mean, you will. It's not complicated. Complexity brings confusion and simplicity brings peace. I'm going to read you some scriptures. 1 John 5, 3, the true love of God is this, that we do his commands and these commands are not burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. Right there. His commands are not a burden. They're not oppressive. Matthew 6, 7, when you pray... Do not heap up phrases and multiply words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. You know, I was raised in a denomination. That's all we did. We had our book, and during the the services, it was just repetitive repetitions over and over and over. And the officiant would say something and we would say something back. And he would say something, we would say something back. And every week it was the same thing. Over and over, there was no life in it. Jesus said, don't heap up words. They think they'll be heard for their much speaking. That's complexity. The Lord is about simplicity. Matthew 5, 36 and 37, do not swear by your head. You're not able to make a single hair white or black. Let your yes simply be yes. And your no simply be no. And anything more than that comes from the evil one. Wow, that's scary. I used to tell my children all the time, my yes is yes. My no is no. If I say yes, it's a yes. Most of you know, seven, eight years ago, because of a faulty uh, dental mistake, I ended up in the hospital for four days. I was in ICU and I was intubated. And it took me quite a while before I had, I had to will myself to use my limbs. I had, I had 24 hour, my children and my husband took care, took turns staying with me. But my salt levels had dropped so low. And, you know, we're always told, you know, don't eat salt. Well, guess what? You're going to die. And my, my salt levels had dropped to near death. But the Lord saved me. But it was a while before I had the strength in my limbs. And I remember having to literally will myself to lift my arms. I could not lift my arms. I had to tell my arms to be lifted. And I had, had to have help walking. And now, you know me well enough to know that I didn't like that one bit. But you know, one of the first things when I had my, my senses back is I had remembered I was supposed to pick up my grandchildren from school. I was supposed to attend a concert. 
And I was absolutely beside myself. And my children were, Mom, you're being ridiculous. I said, but I gave them my yes. That's how important your yes is. If you make a commitment to somebody, you keep it. I mean, unless you end up like me, God forbid, that should happen. Okay, so James 5.12. Most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Here you have it again. The Apostle James. Matthew 6.33. This is simple. Seek first of all his kingdom. And his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, and everything else taken together will be given you beside. Simple. The Lord said, if you go after me, my kingdom, and my way of doing and being right, you're going to have all you need. You'll have all the food you need. You'll have the clothes you need. You'll have everything you need. All the rest is added to you. Simple. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. You know, he didn't start doing a war dance, yelling around the room, pulling out his hair, stripping off his clothes, yelling, shouting, screaming. No. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. He healed all who were sick. And this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. But oh no, we've made it complicated. I could get off on a tangent here, but I won't. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But now I'm fearful, lest even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, so your minds may be corrupted and seduced from simple devotion to Christ. Simplicity. Simplicity. And we think the Lord is demanding all these impossible things from us, but he isn't. He just wants our heart. He just wants a heart that loves him. Simple. Acts 2, 46. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. And they partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts. 2 Corinthians 1, 13. For we write nothing else but simply what you can read and understand. There is no double meaning in what we say. And I hope you will become thoroughly acquainted with divine things and know and understand them accurately and well to the end. I love this. There's no double meaning to what we say. How many of you, tell me the truth, you get a promise from God and then you start, did I really hear it? Maybe that's not what he's saying. Maybe I didn't take it right. Maybe, 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 maybe. What if, what if, what? How many of you have ever been there? I have. Isn't that what happened in the garden? Has God said? Can it really be that God has said? Why? Because the master of deception wants to complicate the word. I can quote every promise God's ever given me, and they're all simple. And they're all received through his grace by faith, every single one of them. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's simple. Romans 12, 8. This is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He who exhorts and encourages to his exhortation. He who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. See how simple these commands are? It tells you what to do. If you're an encourager, then encourage. If you have the gift of giving, then do it with simplicity and liberality. Don't wave your check, you know, walk in front of Rick and Cindy, hold your check up in the air so they can see the amount. Listen, people do things like that. Simplicity and generosity and liberality. If, if you have a gift of helps, do it with singleness of mind. If you have a gift of mercy, be cheerful and joyful to show mercy. Simplicity. 
These things are not complicated. Colossians 3.22, servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not only when their eyes are on you as pleasers of men, but in simplicity of purpose with all your heart because of your reverence for the Lord and as a sincere expression of your devotion to him. How do you serve? In simplicity of purpose. It's not hard. It's not hard, but we've made it hard. Beside what I shared with you, the testimony of what my godmother gave to me when I was in, honestly, the darkest crisis of my life. Well, again, this was years ago, but this was the darkest crisis of my life. And the word of the Lord to me, it will be done and it will be done right. It will be done in simplicity. And it was. It was. I kept trying to make it complicated. I kept thinking it can't be this easy. But I found out that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our weakness. And he comes to our aid. And he doesn't make it hard any more than we want to make it hard for our children. I never gave my children a command that was impossible for them to fulfill. They didn't usually do it, but I nevertheless never did. I received a prophetic word quite a while back, and I saved it for today. And I want to read it to you because this, this ministered to me more than just about anything I can think of from someone that I never, that I don't know. According to your faith being unto you, nothing shall be impossible. All things are possible to you that believe. Let us invite the Holy Spirit to guide you. Jesus called him the counselor. With his guidance, he leads your heart to have a deeper level of belief and spiritual expectation, spiritual, emotional, physical healing and restoration. God is a God of healing and restoration. Great is our God. As you open your hands to receive from Jesus, Jesus comes and he lays his hands on your hands. Jesus speaks simple commands from the word. When he healed two blind men, he touched their eyes. He said, according to your faith, let it be unto you. In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus instructed the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Continue to speak simple commands. Take time for deep, a deep spirit of prayer. Continue hearing the sounds of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not hearing the noises of the earth. It is a spirit understanding of what Jesus does and what he speaks. Remember when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law? He simply touched her hand and the fever left her. He didn't speak many words. Just a moment's contact and all the fever was gone. She was able to rise up and make him a meal. Continue to picture and mentally conceive of Jesus' holy presence touching your hand. Speak simple commands. He may ask you, do you believe that I can do this? And you reply, yes, Lord, I believe. Expect Jesus to speak a simple command with a deep level of belief to have expectation that he is your restorer. Continue to read the scripture. Matthew 9, 18 and 34 speaks of a series of miracles. These miracles demonstrate the authority of Jesus over despair, over disease, over death. He is a God of miracles. He wants your heart to know him on a deeper level as a God of miracles and a God of restoration. He waits for you to invite him to come. He fills your spirit with fresh strength, joy, and restoration. Every mountain of trial and difficulty will be changed into healing and restoration. Every rough road shall be made smooth. The words that he speaks are spirit and life, joy, peace, healing, and restoration. I ask the Holy Spirit to speak a fresh word of hope and restoration to your heart today. Simple. And I went through and I read so many of the miracles. Every single miracle Jesus did were simple commands. Even to Mary, the greatest miracle. Here we're entering the Christmas season. How many of you have up your Christmas tree? I do. 
The greatest of miracles, a virgin conceived a son and called his name Emmanuel. Look how simple. Mary said, how will this be? I've never known a man. You all know what that means, right? (laughs) And what was the instruction? Now I'm going to paraphrase it. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will overpower you. How simple is that? And all she had to do was simply say, be it unto me according to your word. That is one of my favorite prayers when God gives me a promise. I just say, be it unto me according to your your word. Let the spirit wind of God move through my body. Let the spirit wind of God. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and validate and frustrate and nullify the grace of God, which means you can nullify his grace. For if my justification comes through observing the law, then Christ died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. If my just as if I never sinned comes because I keep those 613 commandments of law in the Torah, then I nullify the grace of God. The grace of God is simple. Jeremiah 15, 21 And I will deliver you out of the hands of the wicked, and I will redeem you out of the palms of the terrible and the ruthless tyrant. I want to close by reading a word that just came out yesterday. This was by Lorelai Cooley, and it is the word of the Lord, and I'm telling you, it is. Things are about to radically break open for you. There has been such a relentless opposition and resistance to move forward. Come into sync alignment and into his perfect timing for this season. But the Lord has gone before you, parting and making a way for you to pass through. He is watching his word that he has spoken over you. And it is coming forth in fullness. He is also bringing healing, comfort, and refreshing as he has enlarged your capacity to carry more with expansive increase. He is now wrapping up the end of a season and bringing you into the new as there are some huge doors that are about to open for you that is connected to your next assignment. And that is also time for the previous assignment to come to a close. There is a fresh start that awaits you where you will also find rest and reprieve from such a long, long, hard and tumultuous season. Stay in the place of worship. For in that place, things that are being imparted and birthed within you, that is bringing you into many now things that the Lord is doing and about to bring to pass. There may be a slight pause or standstill in the transition, but as you wait upon the Lord, he is not only about to catapult shift you, but radically break things open for you. Now, if you receive that, say amen. Amen. Stop complicating your life. Receive the simplicity of the cross. Because complexity is a tyrant. It's a cruel, oppressive rule. It tells you, you better do this or else. You got to do this or else. It speaks of more, more, more. The more I do for Jesus, the more he'll bless me. Listen, all you have to do is put one foot in front of another. Whatever he says to you, do it. Take your clay pot, your humanity... And just ask him to fill you with new wine. He'll do it. It's not hard. I've gotten to where things are really, really, really simple in my life. I need them simplified. And yeah, that sometimes means separating yourself from complex situations. It's okay. That doesn't mean you don't love. Doesn't mean you don't pray. Doesn't mean you're not there. But for heaven's sake... Look to Jesus. Like our chosen year before last, look up. You do know that prophetic is a continuum, right? Did he just say look up for that season? No, 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 no. There have been many words that this whole virus thing, 
was a direct attack against the church. When in our lifetime have churches ever been shut down? Don't be fooled. It, it was a demonic attack. But it failed. It failed. Church went on. God invented the internet for us. He did. In the 1900s, and I, I want to say 1974, and we're going to close, I promise. In 19, I think it was 1974. It could have been 1964, but it was in the 1900s. Charles Caps, who's now with the Lord, prophesied. This is the truth. I read it. I wish I still had it. If you find it, let me know. He prophesied before it ever happened that a medium would come out that would allow you to be any place in the world in seconds. That would allow a worldwide communication in seconds. And that it would be for the church. Has it been perverted? Well, of course. There's, there will always be, as long as we're on earth, the Egyptian magicians and the prophets of Baal. Just different clothes now. I won't get into that because I could name names, but I'm not. <laughs> simplicity. Lord, thank you for the simplicity of the cross. And every day, Lord, I just want to give you my life. Every day, I just surrender to you. Every day, Lord, help me to fulfill my purpose for this day. Your kingdom come, Lord. Help us, Lord, all of us to occupy, to take possession until you come again. And for all that have the same mindset, let it be so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.